Chapter 32 No Garden for Wilted Flowers Darkness. Darkness surrounded me entirely. The air held a frosty bite along with a feeling of complete loneliness. The shadows around me began to squirm, rub against my shoulders and hair, absorbing me slowly. My mortal being fading deeper into the inky black until I caught the sight of a warm dome of light before me. No slow ignition, no warning. Just there. Make a wish, honey. A woman spoke gently, echoing on and on. Go ahead and blow out the candles. Another voice, this one a man. Two familiar voices prodded my brain, both instructing me, caring for me, urging me. Pale masses with faces obscured by nothing. The frail orange light softly glowed in the center of the table between us all, slightly illuminating the two sitting to my right. A third voice suddenly appeared, and with it came another mass to my left. Go on, Kim, show them who's boss. This one was younger, much more innocent, almost childlike. Set on a dark wooden table before me was an off-white, frosted cake. I could barely make out the cake beneath the orange flare of candles, let alone any specific details about it. Each of these voices sounded familiar to me, some more than others. I found myself unable to question their requests. Almost like my motions were scripted and out of my control, following the instructions laid out before me, I took in a deep breath and blew out the candles. Six dead wax stumps emitted a frail smoke from the wick. The sulfuric smell filled my nostrils and dried on the back of my tongue. My eyes watered. All three voices cheered for me simultaneously. Two of the three began clapping. One of the frailer-looking figures moved forward to set the cake to the side, but just as they were about to move it, the candle suddenly lit up again. Bright orange flames reveal the dark room again. The cheering stopped. I thought I told you to get regular candles. The woman's voice sounded annoyed. All those damn candles look the same, Rachel. I was in a rush. He defended himself. Rachel, I repeated. All of a sudden, the table and the group of shadows seemed to get distant. My vision became warped like a fisheye lens, and a light humming buzzed in my skull. All the faces were shrouded still, though I could make out who they were by their voices. My mother sighed. No harm done, I guess. Um, Mr. Avery, why did the candles turn on again? The child spoke. She started. Aren't they cool? They're called... Uh, I think Joseph asked me about the candles. He chuckled. They're called trick candles. They reignite when they get blown out. How many times do you have to blow them out? Joey asked naively. My mom answered. Who knows? Maybe they will never go out. They say that trick candles are magic, and if a child can't blow them out completely in three tries, 
then they will never grow up, she said with a happy grin. Joey's eyes widened in excitement. That's cool! Go on, Kim, try it again. I shuffled awkwardly in my seat. My mouth would not open to speak. The entire scene played to me like I was watching, but still acting it out against my will. Give it a try, sweetheart, she said to me. Reluctantly, I took in a deep breath. This time, it took two tries to blow them all out. Just like before, all went dark, and the feeling of isolation returned. The voices stopped when the candles were out. When the emptiness appeared, only whispers remained. Whispers I could not understand. Within ten seconds, the candles were alive once more. All right, let's try! Joey's voice echoed. My dad played along. If they don't light up again, then you don't have to grow up. Now, every time they spoke, I could hear disembodied, echoing words around me, muttering random phrases every time somebody spoke. I hesitated, looking around at their faces. I could not see them. Their bodies were there, but the faces were dark. Come on, Kim. Joey spoke. What's wrong? Don't you want to be a kid forever? For forever? forever? That word echoed in my head over and over and over, shattered and lingering. Never grow up, never face adulthood. Be a kid, young and happy and innocent, until I die. I hesitated. Unlike before, I felt my movements float like I was in water. No longer did I follow the path predetermined. I had control of my actions. I looked around in the dark, feeling eyes all over me. My mother's voice grabbed me. Kiki, what's wrong? Everything is wrong. A voice hissed. Her silhouette leaned in towards me, her face still hidden. I felt my cheeks start to get hot. My jaw began to tremble. Joey exclaimed, If you blow them out for good this time, then you can stay here. You won't. As he finished his sentence, his voice faded out and his body disappeared altogether. My dad spoke very softly, comforting. If the candle comes back to life, then you will have to face it. His voice became malicious, twisted. He too began to fade at the end of his words, until he was erased. You've come. All that was left was her and I. The black hole that was her face stared at me. I stared right back, searching for something human, something I could recognize as real. My trembling face slowly descended into sorrow. My inexplicably dry mouth trembled as I attempted to force movement. Invisible stitches held on like a ghost of who I am to become. Is that really you? I asked, just as tears began to drip down my face. She cocked her head, seeming surprised. Of course, Kiki, it's me. She giggled. 
to join us. I don't want to grow up, Mom. I cried. My childhood body shook and my stomach hurt. I want to stay here forever with you, Daddy and Joey. My shoulders bounced while the tears flowed, dripping onto my legs. If that's so, then just give those candles a big huff. I heard a smile in her voice. Death stuck. But what if... I started. Don't you worry about a thing, darling. Everything will be okay. She promised, and she too began to fade. Everything will be okay. I watched her body get taken by the surrounding black, and I felt scared. Mommy, mommy, please don't go. I whimpered. Despite my plea, she was gone. The haunting whispers recited verses of hell and torment, maddening cackles and demented shrieks. The darkness itself had sprung to life, reaching out for my tender flesh, starving. My eyes shut and weighted tears fell. I was cold. I pulled my knees to my chest and hugged them tight, trying to keep warm fighting the abandonment. The cake had vanished, but the candles remained, gently flickering with an endless wick. They floated in the abyss before me. Six dimly lit sticks were all that kept the darkness at bay. The longer I sat in this chair and ignored the candles, the louder the whispers grew, every voice stabbing my ears, trying to make me understand. One thing stuck with me. One thing gave me solace. Her final words. Everything will be okay. It was those words that gave me the strength to do what needed to be done. It was my choice. It has always been my choice. I lifted my head and watched the fire waver and spark. I took in a deep, deep breath and held it held it until my face turned blue and air began to leak from my nose. I blew out the candles. Darkness still, breathing stifled by a mound of dirt surrounding my face. My restriction of air did not last as Tansu quickly came to my side and rolled me onto my back, allowing the light from high above to blind my clouded vision. Dust and blood coated my raw skin and I desperately clung onto consciousness. My eyes lightly closed. Eyes baggy and dark, every vein pushed to the surface of my pale skin. My fingers dug into the dry dirt while my body remained motionless, unable to move anything else. With enough effort, I managed to open my eyes to see the blurry shape that was Tansu above me. I tried to speak, but fell short. My lips chapped and blew. The only words came in bursts with a hot exhale. I'm okay. I coughed. When I spoke, a searing pain stabbed the roots of my eyeballs. I couldn't see it, but I could feel a hot stream of blood rush out from under my lids. 
falling out, then immediately redirecting the flow down the side of my cheeks and dripping onto the ground. Tansu cupped her mouth in her hands. She whined, then shook her head side to side, denying what she could plainly see. You're fine! Don't worry, Kim! You're fine! She choked back tears. I blinked. My sandpaper eyes burned as my eyelids scraped against them. The vision remained, but my eyes throbbed immensely. I can't move, I whispered. My breathing slowed for a moment, and I felt a gentle sleep try to take me. Darkness blanketed over my sight, but opened again quickly, trying to stay awake. Tansu sat beside me, lightly panting and rubbing her ribs beneath her armpit, then leaned in to move the hair out of my face. I couldn't feel her touch. Just rest here for a moment, she whispered, keeping her hopes high. The silence was my answer. For a minute, we both sat still, letting the memories of recent events settle, burrowing into a permanent place in our minds where they would remain forever. In this time of solace, it was perfectly clear to me Alice was dead. I could no longer feel her presence, the raging anger, the electric shock of her voice. The crowded presence in my soul was gone. I felt empty, emptier than I have ever felt in my entire life. With the emptiness came the pain. Her death brought all the wounds to surface, but on top of that, I felt sadness. Just like that, she was gone forever, and I wanted to cry for her because she is my friend. Without her ability and me being unable to move, there was no way I'd be leaving this place. Tansu felt the untouched flesh below a gash on my cheek, a gash she inflicted on me when she was under Sin's control. We need to get this hole in your face cleaned up. It looks awful. She wanted to keep me listening to her voice, keep me attentive and awake, and I think she focused more on that cut in particular, seeing how she caused it. What she didn't understand was how hard it was to focus on anything except for the erupting, blistering pain that raped my body. The welcoming invitation of sleep was difficult to fight, and her voice was distant now, more than ever. She was brushing her hand across my hair, trying to comfort me. Through the quiet wind that remained persistent around us, I felt the urge to speak. My first attempted words fell short, only pushing out a raspy mumble. She heard this and leaned in closer. I licked my lips and tried to clear my throat, but the grinding of my muscles only made my mouth wet with blood. I managed to cough out. I'm sorry. Sorry? Please don't apologize. She chuckled, still holding on to that tone of relief. I scarcely shook my head sideways with a tremble in my lips. No, I have done... Horrible things, Tonsu. I killed my father and Mr. Kell. I almost killed Stacy and I 
brought my living hell into your life. For that, I'm... She interrupted me. Don't apologize. It's not necessary. I shifted my eyes to hers and gave her a big, teeth-reviewing smile. A smile stained through with blood. My life is just one huge mistake. Even when I thought I was doing the right thing, I was always wrong. I chuckled. She brought her hand up and placed her palm under my jaw, lightly holding my neck. My smile went away with her touch and my teeth clenched behind my tightly closed lips. A childlike whimper grew in my throat and I tried to fight these emotions. Kim, please, everyone makes mistakes. Don't torture yourself like this. You have to understand, if someone could go through their life without making a single mistake or hurting someone... She shook her head. You just couldn't. Humans aren't made to be perfect. I'm just so sorry for involving you in all this. If I was smart, I would have walked right past you in that hallway. Stayed alone forever. She had some sort of twitch in her eyebrow like she was fighting back the urge to slap me. Then she sighed and pointed her finger. Now, you listen to me. She spoke sternly. You may think that you ruined something in my life, that you brought a new hell with you, but I was already suffering before I met you. So, no matter what you say, in the time that I have known you, her voice cracked a little, and she stopped, gathered her words again, and continued. I couldn't have asked for a better friend than you. I mean that. Tears rolled without me telling them to, mixing with the blood that previously came out of my eyes. I didn't know what to say. No words could suffice in expressing my genuine happiness at this moment. She looked around quickly. Now, you need to stop talking. We need to get you to a hospital. Then we can talk all you want, okay? I exhaled and got serious again. With my last bit of strength, I lifted my hand up and opened it. She took it quickly in hers. I squeezed as tight as I could. My entire arm shook viciously with the agony I was in. As my arm quaked, Hers was being manipulated along with it. The gears were turning. The reality of the situation was crashing through her mind. The rational side of her brain was slowly coming to terms with this, but the blindly hopeful side was denying even the possibility of the foreseeable future. I could see the hurt in her eyes, the understanding. Unexpectedly, I felt a razor-like tear open wide inside my stomach. My body tensed up, and I felt an unimaginable pain rip through me. A fiery twinge held my muscles tightly, making even my immobilized body crunch inward and go through a small seizure. Everything started to get fuzzy and unbelievably cold. Tansu's eyes widened and she clasped my hand between both of hers. Now panicking, she began to recite a prayer in a hushed tone. My small thrash halted, and my body flattened out on the ground again. 
There were a few seconds where I was in a dark state. I forgot where I was, who I was. Everything went blank in my head, but I saw her face through the blur, then gazed past her head for a moment, just to get a glimpse of the sun's rays shining through the clouds and trees behind her. The chirping of the birds, a plane that flew far overhead. These few sounds that would be my last to hear. I took it all in as my mind slowly returned. With my mind resetting once more, a new thought was brought forward, completely out of context and had nothing to do with the situation. This thought burned in my mind. It always has, but never found its way into words, until now. Tansu, can I ask you something? I gasped. Of course, she replied quickly, willing to give me anything. It seems dumb now, but why do you do that thing with your hand? Thing? With my hand? Yeah, that odd little fist. I've always wondered. I wheezed slightly. She smiled a little. You could have asked me at any time, and you choose now? She giggled with wet eyes. It's something I do to feel closer to my dad. It was our own personal pinky swear. His two fingers wrapped around my thumb. I do it when I feel afraid. So it's like he's still here. With me. Her words sank at the end. In the background, thin, close-together trees scraped against one another, their leaves brushing and twisting. That's nice, I whispered, my eyes fading in and out of darkness. I could feel my brain dimming. She sniffled and looked at our surroundings. Okay, that's enough sad talk. We need to get moving. I'm sure if we go a little further in that direction, we'll reach the road. Then we'll get you help, she stated. Her determination was inspiring, but I couldn't let her on like this anymore. I knew my fate. It's no use, I coughed. What do you mean? She said fearfully. I want you to go. Go to the road alone and flag down help. It will be faster if you go alone. Then come back. I instructed her. She shook her head in protest. No way! Are you kidding? I won't leave you! She refused skittishly. I paused, hearing the anxiety rise high in her voice. She doesn't get it. Then you can sit here and watch me die. I said with hollow eyes. That made her go quiet and think. I'm... I started. My throat started closing up. My lungs weren't working properly. It felt like my lungs were stuffed full of steel wool, making it impossible to keep a full breath. With a violent cough, blood pushed through my gums and out of my mouth. I'm scared. I don't want to die. She didn't say anything, just looked at me. 
showing a red face and wet eyes. She seemed lost in words and spirit. My eyelids felt heavy. I let them ease shut for a moment. Please, I begged. She was listening. She understood. Okay, I'll go. But you hold on till I get back. You hear me? I will only be one minute. Just one minute. She choked back her cries. You have 30 seconds. I chuckled with a broken smile, grinding out more words. She nodded. 30 seconds. You got it. She gave my hand a final squeeze, then placed it by my side. At the same time, she grabbed Joey's jacket from the ground beside me and placed it over my torso, hiding the wounds and holding in fragile heat. Keep warm, all right? Her lips quivered. She half stood, then paused and crouched back down. She leaned in close, locked eyes with me for what seemed like an eternity, then slowly pressed her lips to my forehead, then held them there for a few seconds. Her mouth was trembling, and the air from her nose was dry. She pulled away slowly. I will be right back. She retrieved her stability and made an unstable dash up the pathway. I listened to her soft footsteps in the dirt. They became more and more distant until they disappeared altogether. I was alone, now truly alone, for the first time in over a year. In a way, I missed this silence. It was, at the moment, nostalgic to me. I waited, trying to hold on, but my body was purging itself of all good feelings, leaving only the terrible pain that he gave me. I thought about Chrism or Christine and everything she said to me. This carried my lingering mind to all the tuffle I never met, and how glad I am that I didn't. Which brought me to Alice. I never said goodbye to her, but at least I thanked her for what it was worth. I wonder what would happen to her, dying like that when she never existed in this world. What would become of her? What would become of all the tuffle when they leave here? What would happen to me? Tonsu has been gone a long time. Ten minutes. I counted every second as best I could. Many times I thought I heard her voice call to me. Footsteps and car brakes had been among these imaginary noises. Except none were real. Or maybe they were. Maybe in the real world, I'm already dead and this is my punishment. To lie here forever, waiting for help. My own personal hell. Loneliness. Another set of clouds made their way overhead. A long, fat one blocked out the sun, bringing with it a cold shade. My sharp breaths began to speed up slightly, heart pounding. Random twitches flashed everywhere. Pulses of electricity pinched my nerves from all angles. My eyes shot open. Then it subsided. All at once. My eyes relaxed again, closing gently. I knew that 
by the time she found help, it wouldn't make a difference. A rush of smooth, cool wind brushed against my pale skin. Frail leaves bounced all over and around me. The dry skipping accompanied by the fresh air calmed my senses and allowed them to slow and relax. Every inch of my skin began to numb and tighten, a persistent daydream of nihility. A very small ray of sunlight made its way through the thick cloud and trees, bringing a glow on my eyelids from the inviting light. A smile to the sky, and I exhaled. Everything is okay. The End <laughs>